G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, we all might appreciate that it is good to celebrate Australia's National Day, Australia Day. And even amongst all the noise of protests that want to change Australia Day or abolish it, there'll never be a time when the memory of the 26th of January 1788 is wiped away. As with all controversies, it is valuable to understand the context of why people think differently and why some may feel wounded and while others might say this remains a great day for celebration. Well, our special guest today is Dr. Paul Rowe, a historian from the New South Wales Outback. With 50 years experience in engaging audiences, eye to eye, mind to mind and heart to heart with Australia's powerful stories of faith. His doctorate is in history that focuses on telling our Australian Christian story. Dr. Paul Rowe, a special welcome along to 2020. G'day Neil, and uh, I hope it's going well in Queensland. It is. Hey Paul, controversies around Australia Day. Today is our Mm. national day. Uh, Of course, lots of people will want to frame Australia Day as Invasion Day. Of course, it is Australia Day, the celebration of the arrival of the First Fleet, but it is also Invasion Day for, certainly for Indigenous people, isn't it? Well, it's uh, like you said, it's a controversial question, but uh, I don't think anybody can doubt that uh, the coming of the colonial force of England certainly radically changed uh, the Aboriginal culture in Australia, not always in the best way. But then on the other hand, as Aboriginal folk have said to me, but also there were good things that came. So I guess what, what we're looking for on Australia Day in this debate is not more heat or more anger or frustration or just looking backwards but looking back with an intention to move forward and uh, I think you know when I was a a young student uh, I think Donald Horne's book The Lucky Country came out and somehow or another in a strange way Neil we we sort of adopted that oh yeah we're the lucky country but we missed the point of what he was saying because he said well actually we're, we're living as if we're a lucky country and yeah she'll be right and yeah, we're good blokes and it'll all just happen. But he was actually questioning that philosophy or that assumption. <laughs> Oddly enough, we took it on board as if, yeah, that's true. Uh, and I would like to say probably at this point in time, in the background of that is, I think that's not so much the, the lucky country, but we're the blessed country. And uh, I, I have a friend in Burka who's an Embar elder, and he, he says, you know, we always knew about the Creator before you white fellas came. Uh, but also that, and that the God has always had His hand on this country. It, it hasn't been in an exclusion zone. And uh, when I was a kid, I learned uh, Psalm 24, which says, "God, 
the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth and everything in it belongs to him. And I think that's a good starting point for me in the whole discussion is that, and I think the prophet Amos said it too, that all nations have been chosen and placed by God. Now, it's not like there's just some that are more chosen than others. Uh, but in a sense, God's had his hand on every nation, every culture. But on the other hand, all those cultures are flawed and uh, they all need changing. And I was out at Mount Gunderbooker near Burke with uh, an Aboriginal elder and um, and a park ranger. We were chatting about uh, did the missionaries you know, damage the Aboriginal culture. And the ranger was pretty strong in saying, yes, you know, the white people have damaged the culture. And what it came down to was to say, hang on a minute, it isn't a truth question. We both need to find out what's true. And there are things in our, both our cultures that need changing. And uh, that Aboriginal elder, I heard him say, you know, uh, he told the story about Biami, the creator, he's walking up uh, and he's got his two sons and they're carrying a water bag. And he asked a group of tourists there, now, what do you think that water bag was? And they said, I don't know. He said, well, I reckon it's the water bag of truth. We all need to drink from the water bag of truth, which I thought was a great way to put it. Um, And so all of us, doesn't matter what colour we are, where we come from, uh, we've got to sort of drink from the water bag of truth. We've got to look at, okay, what's honest, what's true, and face up to it. Be willing to stir up to the ugly bits as well as the good bits rather than just siding and sort of chucking everything out because you know, we've been offended on one side or the other and look for a way forward. And I think, to me, that's the way to do it. Well, there's good, there's bad, and there's ugly in our past. And I know a lot of listeners will relate very strongly to the thought that we could call ourselves a lucky country, but we're more like a blessed country with God in the exactly. picture. And the only way that God is in the picture is if the gospel arrived on that first fleet. Uh, That's an impressive thing that happened uh, when Richard Johnson uh, came ashore and very shortly after that ran the first church service on Australian soil uh, because that actually made a a huge impact on all of the ripples that would spread out around the nation and then addressing some of the bad things that people are referring to when they talk about Invasion Mm -hmm. Day. Professor Stuart Piggin, who's written several books on Australia's Christian history, he makes the point that, that, that the Christian faith hitched a ride on colonialism, is the way he puts it. Um, the colonial powers were spreading out with their in, you know, intention to sort of create colonies, wealth, uh, bring military and government and so on. And somehow or another, the church or the Christian faith surfed along with it, but wasn't necessarily meant to identify with everything the colonial power did. And in in fact, quite often they were the only ones who sort of stood between, say, the indigenous people and destruction. And they didn't always side with what the colonial power was doing. And, uh, you know, in that sermon that uh, Richard Johnson preached where he said, what can I give back to the Lord for the blessings he's poured out on me? I think that's that's still very true. It's got to ring true in, in the hearts of all the people in Australia. What can we give back to God? going to celebrate Australia Day, I think that should be the theme. What can I get back to God for the blessings that he's poured out on me? Not to take for granted the good things we have here in Australia, but to, to stop and reflect, how am I using the gifts that I've been given here? And I think Richard Johnson put his finger on it. He was right. Isn't it an important thing to recognise where we Christians stand in the debate that's going on today, that 
we might even be able to separate ourselves and uh, be a little bit above the fray when it comes to the battle between colonialism and Aboriginal culture. Because as you say, uh, where Christianity stood between the colonial power and the Aboriginal uh, atrocities even, uh, that gives us a unique place even to speak into the current debate, doesn't it? Well, it goes right back to, to Jesus himself, Neil. I mean, he was in an oppressed culture. The Romans were dominating the Jewish people, and before them there were the Greeks and the Seleucids and the Persians. You know, they'd had wave after wave after wave of invasions that had sort of dominated them. And when Jesus actually arrived, he began to talk about not so much defending the Jewish culture. In fact, he had a lot of very, very rough things to say about what was happening in the Jewish hierarchy. But what he was pointing to was a new a new kind of culture. He said, all these flawed human cultures need changing. They all need transforming. And he said, I'm talking about something called the kingdom of God. It's it, it's an overarching kingdom that where God's rules and God's way of doing things is set in place. And if you want to read the Beatitudes, as we call them, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and so on, and the way we treat each other to give our enemies and and give what we have to one another, uh, he was he was modelling something absolutely unique, and I think that still stands as the benchmark for what we're talking about here. Uh, it's not like my British culture or my Scottish heritage or the Aboriginal culture or whatever other culture you come from. Uh, they're all flawed, and I think that's the beginning point there to say, well, yep, we all need changing. We all need a, a higher deeper, longer, richer, powerful culture, and that's what Jesus was offering. Paul, when we say the land belongs to God, as you say, the kingdom of God, uh, and that in some sense is above the fray of who might be arguing over the acres, Uh, There is a sense, isn't there, that appreciating the kingdom of God is a part of what might have to happen for real reconciliation. If you want to be able to resolve disputes, you have to be able to say God actually is the owner of this land. Yeah, I think um, it's one thing to say a thing like that, and it's a sort of a blanket statement, Neil, but I think what comes home to me personally anyway is that it's it's not a matter of flag waving on one side or the other or sort of triumphalist talk or saying, you know, we were here first or you came second or whatever. But it's more a matter of recognising that, you know, we uh, are all flawed in ourselves and that we need to be working on a daily basis to to change things, you know, just to have a a celebration day. If we're not changing things every day uh, with our neighbour, with the Aboriginal people with the, the, the other immigrants that have come here. And Australia's full of refugees. I mean, my Scots ancestors were refugees because they were driven off the highlands and uh, told to stop speaking Gaelic. The Irish were driven out. The Jewish people have come here since the, the World War Two. European immigrants and the Vietnam, Vietnamese. And I've got friends amongst all these, Indians, Rwandans, Somalians, Iranians, <laughs> Afghans, Chinese, you name them. I've met people from all those cultures who've been driven out or persecuted or uh, are refugees for one reason or another. And so it's not just we're, we're not just addressing when we talk about Australia now, we're not, we've got to be careful we don't narrow that focus too much and to forget there's a whole wall of people all around us and increasing numbers who've come from stressful and difficult circumstances where they've been bereft and uh, and persecuted and found life difficult. And the blessing we've got in Australia is that we've made a, a, a culture that's 
at least open to receive those people and to try and bless them if we can. And that's, I think that's why people want to come to Australia. And a lot of that has to do with the, what the early Christians, the Christian leadership in this country, blessed this country with. I mean, we came here with predominantly convicts, you know, people who were either, you know, the bottom of the pile or had done evil things too. Um, and Richard Johnson had to stand up in front of a congregation of, you know, convicts and soldiers, and that was his start. And you've got to say he was pretty brave to say, well, what can we say to the Lord for all his benefits? Here we are 10,000 miles from home. We're stuck on the other side of the world. We've been, basically, you've been kicked out. And there wasn't a lot to be giving thanks for, really, apart from the safe trip they had. But I think he, he had a larger vision. You know, he he represented a, a group in England called the Clapham Sect who were made up of people like William Wilberforce and and the and uh, uh, James Stephen and others who were lateral thinking Christians who were saying, you know, we can bless not just Australia. We, it's not just a matter of setting up a colony there to, you know, to get rid of the convicts, but we can make that a launching point for the gospel to the whole South Pacific. So there was a group think tank of people who were thinking wider than just, you know, a colony and um, making business and setting up agriculture and so on, although they did that as well. But all the Pacific Islands, for example, and the Torres Strait Islands, um, they did. They received through, a lot of it was launched from Sydney or from Australia. Uh, and eventually those blessings came. And if you talk to Tongans, Samoans, Fijians, Torres Strait Islanders, they will tell you. Um, boy, you know, when the missionaries came, we were we were warlike. We were, you know, slaughtering one another. We were doing all sorts of terrible things to each other, as well as, I guess, good things. But they, they, they were not upset because their culture was changed. And I think we've got to take a mark from that and say, well, okay, all these people have come here with stories of their own and and an Aboriginal pastor friend of mine says look we need to share our stories accept our stories and write a new story together and I really like that I think it, it sort of puts it in a nutshell we need to share our stories sit down and really listen to each other and, and say I'm hearing you mate I, I'm hearing your story and I'm, that's tragic that's appalling that's terrible that should never have happened and accept the story yep my part in the story or my ancestors' part, that was pretty ugly and I, I've got to admit that. Maybe there are people you can shake hands with and say, look, I want to say a personal apology, not just a generic apology. And yeah, that shouldn't have happened. I understand. I've heard you and I'm accepting that. But now let's write a new story together. And I like that. I sometimes reflect, Paul, uh, from our Christian position that we don't want to forget that there has been atrocities of the past. And I think one side might like to say, you know, those things never happened or they're not important. But as Christians, we do want yeah. to remember that there were atrocities. At the I'm same the time, exactly. yeah. you've, you've got to carry a balance, haven't you? But how do we move yeah. forward? Uh, do we need okay. reparation uh, for those past atrocities? And how do we move forward together as one. Now, that's a challenge, given that we've got a, a bit of a division that's happening in Australia at the moment. But but in some sense here, uh, when you say blessing came with the gospel when it arrived on the First Fleet, uh, you've got to be able to recognise that while there were bad things that happened, those good things can help shape even the next steps forward we take in our future. Well, it's good to remember, uh, Neil, that in the background, God will call evil to account. One day he said there's going to be a great summary and evil will be called to account. 
And, uh, you know, there's been enormous evils done in the world in the last hundred years. And you've only got to think what Stalin did in, in, in Russia, for example, you know, killed 50 million of his own people. Um, there are huge issues out there that need to be dealt with. And I, I guess we've got to trust God with that. We can't unravel all that history and try, try to make reparation for everything that's ever been done. But what we can do, and I think, I think it's significant uh, to me anyway, that here in my own town, I got together with a friend who's an Aboriginal elder, Riverbank Frank Doolan, and we found that in our own town here in Dubbo, in 1938, called William, William Ferguson, took a stand on behalf of his people, the Aboriginal people, although he was, he was part Scots, but he said, this is wrong, what's happening to us? And with William Cooper from Victoria in 1938, they called for a day of mourning on Australia Day, 1938, both Christian men, uh, both men with uh, an understanding of the Christian gospel. Uh, William Ferguson was uh, an elder in the Presbyterian Church. He, William Cooper, had been raised on a mission on the uh, Murray River uh, and taught by a, an outstanding teacher called Thomas Shadrach James, an Indian man who taught, as his daughter said, he taught us to lead and write, taught us to lead and write. And so William Cooper, Doug um, Nichols and his wife Gladys, John Payton, um, they were all trained by this Aboriginal, uh, sorry, this Indian man on an Aboriginal mission to take a lead, to take a stand. And when they wrote their documents and appeals to the government, they were always couched in very biblical terms. So when they eventually went to the Prime Minister, Cooper and Ferguson, in 1940, they said, look, here's a petition. It was before 1940, but here's a petition asking for uh, our proper treatment of our people. The Bible says we're all God's children. Why aren't we being treated as such? Now that's interesting because you know they, they saw themselves framed inside the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all the nations belong to Him. So I think as a way forward, I think that's a place we've got to stand. And I think it's very significant that the six Aboriginal leaders that I know of that have been memorialised, they were all Christians. Cooper has a statue down in Victoria and also in Israel because he took a stand on behalf of the Jewish people in 1938. Um, William Ferguson, we put a statue of him in the main street here in Dubbo. David Deniapon's on the $50 note. Um, Doug and Gladys Nichols outside Parliament House in Victoria, and he became the first Aboriginal governor in South Australia. And then recently in the Holy Land, in right beside uh, Galilee, there's a statue there of a, an Aboriginal light horseman called Jack Pollard, kneeling to bury a mate, and in his hand he's got a New Testament. I think that that's not forcing religion on anybody. That's just saying these Aboriginal leaders who took a stand on behalf of their people, and they were pretty blunt, and they said some pretty hard things, um, and that needed to be said. And it was a long time before they were actually listened to. But nevertheless, they were men and women of faith. They could see the bigger picture. They could see that, yep, there's what Jesus is talking about is bigger than just all our cultures, and we need to be signing on for the call that he's put on our heart to listen to one another and to write a new story together. Well, we're going to continue this conversation just ahead. Coming up after news, our special guest is Dr. Paul Rowe, a historian 
from the New South Wales outback town of Dubbo. 50 years he's been engaging audiences eye to eye, mind to mind, heart to heart with Australia's powerful stories of faith. And as you can hear in a conversation like this, when you understand the history, you've got some real gem insight for what is a way forward. Dr. Paul Rowe is our guest. His book is called Tell Me Another, a storyteller's search for Australia's lost faith. We'll continue our conversation just ahead. What a wonderful opportunity it is on Australia Day to be talking about Australia Day with a Christian focus in the mix. Our special guest is Dr Paul Rowe, a historian from the outback New South Wales town of Dubbo. History is his thing and that focuses uh, on telling Australia's Christian story He's the author of a book called Tell Me Another, a storyteller's search for Australia's lost faith. Uh, Paul, before we go on some more around Australia Day, um, your book, Tell Me Another, do you tell some stories in there around those original beginnings, uh, the arrival of the First Fleet, the controversies that have resulted from that? Are they part of your storytelling? Well, I've got to say, first of all, Neil, I think the people in Dubbo would be surprised to find themselves called the Outback, but uh, it's sort of getting close to the Outback. I lived for nearly 30 years out in Burke, which was genuinely in the Outback, but we're we're approaching it here. We can see it from here, put it that way. Well, sometimes a whole lot of the Outback lands on us when there's a big dust storm. But uh, we're, well... Um, what was the question again, Neil? Um, so, in so far as your writings, uh, you know, your oh, tell okay, me another. Yeah, do, do you do you cover some of those early stories of Australia's Christian history? Not really. I mean, uh, like I said, I studied under the under Professor Stuart Piggin, and uh, he's just produced two major books, uh, outstanding books, which I think pretty much would settle any of that question if anybody bothered to read them because they would find that he's uh, detailed a prodigious amount of evidence that says there are so many things in our business world, educational world, the uh, the law and order world, um, education, health, you know, medicine. Uh, they're just over and over. There are outstanding individuals and groups who've made the foundations of our culture, like they've laid tremendous foundations for us. And, you know, it seems like we're wanting to edit out that the fact that the Christians had such a profound effect. And so on my website more, you will find more stories there than you will in the book. I've written more in the book about the need for us to tell our stories and to regather our stories and tell them, not as a matter of, you know, forcing religion on Australia, or blowing the trumpet and saying, let's get back to the old-time religion. But to say, this is your story, you know, whether you like it or not. And so, for example, I work in the Royal Flying Doctor Service uh, experience here at uh, Dubbo Airport, and it's a brilliant exhibition. If you come this way, you'll see some fantastic things, and it's a great place to work. Uh, But I love to sort of emphasise to them, and uh, a lot of the different cultures who come to visit, who um, <clears throat> know nothing about the Flying Doctor Service, uh, to say, you know, John Flynn was a young man at, at 20 years old. He he was thinking, what can I do to serve God? How can I make a difference in Australia? What can I do? And I've taken school kids through there, and I love to tell them the story of a young man, you know, at 16 years old, he felt a call from God to make a difference in Australia. 
and in blunt terms just say, well, look, no Jesus, no flying doctor service. You know, it was that that drove John Flynn to do what he did. Now, I could repeat that in 30 or 40 different organisations that we take for granted, you know, whether it be Lifeline or St Vinnie's or all sorts of things like that. If you track it back, you'll quickly find that there are men and women of faith uh, banded together to make stuff happen. And so we've got a proud history in that regard. You know, there's, there's the ugly side of what the church has done. But on the other hand, I, I want to see young people and young people lift their heads and say, well, I'm proud to be Christian. You know, so much good that we've done. Yes, ugly things have happened. But on the other hand, there's so much we need to celebrate. And for me, on Australia Day, sometimes they're the things I want to tell people those stories, you know, not just to wave the flag or eat a meat pie or, you know, talk, talk in broad Australian mate and this and that and the other. But to sort of look very carefully at my own culture that I've grown up in, be very grateful for what I've been given, the safety and the security and the medical services and all those sort of things that we have here. You know, I mean, where else in the world is, you know, can you be picked up by a state-of-the-art aircraft with an ambulance, a board and a doctor in a couple of hours and be brought to a major hospital? Where else does that happen and do it for free? Like, it doesn't cost you. Like, it's amazing. And you tell people that as uh, immigrants here and they just look at you in disbelief, you know. Well, in my mind, I think, well, that's part of an expression of what Jesus has given to this country. You know, it's not overt, but it's very, very much linked to him. And uh, I can I can argue that, you know, well, that, that story can be told many times over. So that's how I approach it, Neil. And uh, on my website, I've got dozens and dozens of stories now now that I've been researching. So this weekend, for example, I, I found a story about um, a guy called John Tebbett, who was Australia's first astronomer down in uh, Windsor. Amateur, trained by some clergy. Was, it, 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 that was his education. Pretty much self-taught astronomy, and he became one of the renowned astronomers of the 19th century. Uh, built his own, own observatory, didn't want to be sort of funded by the government, self-funded, self-taught. And uh, he was very strong in his conviction that, you know, we can find the truth through science and the Bible. We need to use both. Well, now there's a group of teachers tomorrow will be going out from the Kuiper School uh, following a track around their area, Windsor, Richmond and so on, where the early settlement was in, a, in New South Wales. And they'll be looking for those stories and, and then they'll be re- relaying those to the children. Well, I love that idea. I think that's exactly what we've got to do. We've got to go and look for the evidence. We've got to be convinced about the story ourselves. We've got to own it and then sell it to the children. And I love the thought of the kids getting a hold of these stories and saying, hey, wow, look at this guy. <laughs> he was fantastic. Look what he go to our country. Well, we don't need to be despairing about that. There's good things that we, we need to know, you know, and... Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to, you know, say. Well, we can only tell these to the white children. It doesn't apply to the, the black people or the, the Rwandans or whoever's come here. Everybody needs to know this because it has to do with truth. And the more we get convinced about really hearing the authentic history and being open-minded about it, and not just ruling it out. Oh, anything with the uh, Christian on it, so it's bad. Well, that's that's ridiculous. That's very very poor history. And that's what I would call it out as. I'd say that's just not good history. Uh, you've got to be honest and you've got to look for truth. And when you find it, you've got to do the right thing by it. And it's why we can, as you say, be proud of our Christian history here in Australia. 
even though there are things that were not quite so good, uh, there are a lot of things that have shaped the way that we are that mean we can get on together and we can plot our destiny forward uh, together. Hey, you're in Dubbo, and I'd I'd just pick you up on this because anybody on the coast is going to say Dubbo is in the outback, and I appreciate when you say Dubbo might have a view to the outback, but that might be something we'd have to disagree on today, Paul. But look, there is... uh, Henry Henry Lawson said a long time ago, it doesn't matter where you go, you go to Berkeley, they say, oh, no, this is not the outback, it's further out. You get out there and they say, oh, no, no, this is not the outback, it's further out. You get right across to Western Australia and then they'll point back the other way. So, oh, no, no, it's back there. So All right. <laughs> you can argue that one. Hey, but in Dubbo, uh, there's a significant Aboriginal community and uh, you're connected with elders uh, in the Dubbo region there. Uh, there's a little bit of inconsistency somehow or other, even around the things that we might be hearing about the voice. Uh, we mm-hmm. do have uh, Aboriginal members of Parliament and some are pointing to the fact that there's more there than ever. But the Christian element within the the Aboriginal community is very, very significant. How do you describe Christianity and the Aboriginal community broadly? Yes, well, it's an interesting thing, Neil, when you look more closely at it. And I don't think most Australians are really aware of it. But, you know, if you look on the census statistics, for example, well, 56%, something like that, uh, will at least say on the census that they're Christian. Um, and a much smaller percentage, I think it's even below 10%, will say that they follow the traditional Aboriginal religion. Now, that's not a judgmental statement, it's just what Dave says. Uh, and I know, for example, if you go to the Torres Strait Islands, their big celebration there every year is the coming of the light, which is when the gospel came to the Torres Straits and it transformed them. Um, my son was working with NITV. He sent a journalist up there, an Aboriginal journalist, and they were astonished to sort of find that you know, they were very Christian there. They, they, they didn't realise that, although they were Aboriginals from this end of the country. And perhaps we don't realise it so much further south you get, but there is a very substantial Aboriginal population through Western Australia, through the Northern Territory, North Queensland at times. And I've met some of them, and I've been very impressed and, and humbled by their courage and their faith and their grace, uh, and the way that they talk freely about Jesus and freely about the need. There've been the need for changes in their culture, not entirely, but some things that just needed to be changed, as we all need. And uh, so uh, here in Dubbo, as I said, I worked with uh, my friend Frank Dillon, and we got involved with getting the the story of Bill Ferguson placed right in the middle of town. So people, it's part of the, the streetscape now in our, our town. And so it's a, it's a discussion point and it's at the, in the high school. And um, we were talking to some high school teachers a few weeks ago and about the presenting the Bill Ferguson medal to anybody, not just the Aboriginal children, but any of the kids who have the courage to stand up for truth and justice and for what's right in the community and that they can win a medal for that you know, at the end of the year. Well, I really like that. That's exactly what we want to talk about in terms of reconciliation and going forward together. And um, Frank's mum, Aunty Pat Doolan, has done a substantial amount in the Western region here in terms of education. And she will tell you, look, I love all these children, just not the Aboriginal children, but all the children. I want to help them all go forward. Um, 
And uh, one of my friends is Peter Gibbs from, uh, he works with a group called iProud and he he lost a sister in custody up in Brewarana some years ago. And instead of becoming bitter about it as a Christian, he decided he was going to turn it around to good effect. And so he runs a program through the TAFE for educating Indigenous young people to to prepare them to go into the police force as a positive influence in, in the police force and so on. Well, they're the men and women that I have great respect for and uh, I see their Christian faith informs their Aboriginality. They don't lose it, their Aboriginality, but it it's strengthened and and given colour and uh, integrity and, and a whole lot of other things that come with it. And they don't lose anything. I think they gain. You know? And so that's what I've seen personally. That's my personal experience now. Conversations with the Aboriginal community and their personal conversations, sometimes there's corporate conversations, gatherings. How important do you think it is, Paul, for times ahead to include uh, the Christian conversation in conversations between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal Australians? Because in some sense, I can't see any way of turning those hardships of the past into positive action in reconciliation unless there's real positive opportunities to talk. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point, uh, Neil. And I guess for a lot of you know white Australians or city Australians, they don't really get to meet Aboriginal people very often, um, and uh, so. It's hard to sort of have that conversation. You've got to sort of go looking for it or put yourself in a place when you can have that conversation. One thing I do know that's happening, and it's happened the last couple of years, and it actually came out of uh, 1938 or 39 when uh, William Ferguson and William Cooper, they called for an Aboriginal Sunday to be held, uh, the Sunday before Australia Day, as uh, where the churches opened their platforms to Aboriginal speakers. And they were able to sort of put their case. This is before the referendum that gave them the vote. So the churches are actually on the cutting edge of actually opening their doors and opening their platforms to Aboriginal speakers to put their case. And so people like William Cooper and um, Bill Ferguson had the opportunity to speak. Uh, the war intervened and, and it gradually morphed and it became NAIDOC Day, so it lost its Christian edge. But in recent years, there's been an effort to restore... Um, this Aboriginal Sunday, the Sunday previous, so last Sunday, I think 500 churches I read uh, were holding Aboriginal Sunday where the, this need opportunity for dialogue and inform informing one another and that, that thing I talked about, about listening to one another, uh, accepting our stories and writing a new story together, that's happened. And, and there's a lady called Auntie Jean Phillips has been heading it up and uh, so I think there's a lot of hope in that. In fact, uh, William Cooper, when he, he called for the day of mourning, and uh, he, he wasn't sort of saying we want to have the day of mourning on Australia Day every year forever. He was saying this year, because we're not being listened to, uh, we're going to call for a day of mourning to, to, to shock or stab white Australia into, into attention. And, and that was needed. It was right. And they had the right, they were doing the right thing. And we need to recognise that. But he, he saw, he was hoping, and I think um, Bill Ferguson too, they were, their goal was to have the day of hope, you know, not the day of mourning forever, because you, you can't grieve forever. Uh, psychologists and doctors will tell you, well, that's not healthy, you know, to keep grieving and grieving, it'll bring you apart, it'll be apart. But to, to try and generate a, a space where you can dialogue, talk, listen, 
and then write a new story together. I think that's got possibilities of generating hope. Well, Aboriginal Sunday, a good initiative that started, as you say, decades ago with William Cooper, the Sunday before Mm. Australia Day. And then usually the Sunday after Australia Day, this year on the 5th of February, it'll be the National Christian Heritage Sunday. So the days that are around Australia Day help to shape a more full picture. Uh, Of course, the National Christian Heritage Sunday, that's becoming uh, very well uh, accepted too, isn't it? As I understand, yes. And I think um, that's a a good... Forum for it, I think, Neil. I think our, our church platforms. We've got to make sure that we're not just jingoistic or, you know, banging the drum or waving the flag and all that sort of thing. But we we talk. We want to have dialogue and we want to listen to good stories. We want authentic stories. Um, that not not to try and prove that we're a Christian country and everybody will line up with us and and sign on. But we need to to prove in practice, like every day, that we are actually Christian, that we are actually doing what Jesus said about being peacemakers, about loving our enemies, about uh, serving one another, about forgiveness uh, and reconciliation. They're very powerful Christian ideas that came out of the, the Gospels. I mean, that that's where so many of these beautiful words like mercy and grace and forgiveness uh, got so, such popularity. I mean, why is this Amazing Grace such a popular song all around the world? Well, that came out of uh, the experience of John Newton, who was a, a slave trader, and you know how God changed his life. And he was one of the, the men who encouraged Richard Johnson to come to Australia and to bring the gospel to Australia, not only just to Australia, but to the whole South Pacific. Well, that's what I'm talking about. We've got to show amazing grace, not just sing amazing grace. You know, We've got to do amazing grace, <laughs> not just uh, you know, talk about it. And I think... You know, prayer can help, dialogue can help, but in the end, we've got to walk out the door of these celebration days and say, well, how can we make a difference? What will we render under the Lord for all the benefits he's given to us? No matter what colour we are, we've got an opportunity to step out there and serve, and that's what I love about the gospel. It reaches across all boundaries. They're all one in Christ. doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, slave or free. Um, black or white, whatever colour, and that's the beautiful thing, and that's why the Christian world is expanding at a greater rate. It's not just uh, it comes out of the European world, but it came out of the Middle East, and uh, I've seen it transform lives of every background you can name. <laughs> that's what gets me excited. That's why I think our heritage isn't just a once-upon-a-time story looking backwards. It's looking back so that we can look forward. Somebody said it's like rowing a boat. You, you sort of face face backwards and you're, you're stroking but you're going forward you know? so it's good to look back so you can go forward well the gospel has not lost its power and as you're demonstrating in those stories and in those sentiments paul uh, wonderful sentiments i might say and uh, just for those who are thinking that remembering the first church service on Australian soil is a good thing. Uh, that happens on National Christian Heritage Sunday uh, this year coming up yep. on the 5th of February uh, for those who might be wanting to have some focus on that uh, for their local church. Wonderful sentiments uh, that we've been hearing over this past hour and just appreciate you so much Paul Rowe for taking some time to share these thoughts and your heart with our listeners today let me point listeners to your book that you released last year called Tell Me Another 
a storyteller's search for Australia's lost faith. And you can connect with Dr. Paul Rowe at theoutbackhistorian.com.au. Theoutbackhistorian.com.au. Paul, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. And Neil, uh, on that website, there's lots and lots of stories, and that's why they're there. So people can read them and share them, and if they're teachers, put them in the classroom, set them to work. That's what I want to make our invisible Christian story visible. So it's not just a connecting point, it's actually a wonderful resource. The Outbackhistorian.com.au. Paul Rowe, happy Australia Day. And bless you too, mate. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.